Hello, welcome to my podcast. Today I will be discussing the American Revolution and how much power a government should have. The Founding Fathers built the United States of America on the balance of power between the government and its citizens. The British colonies fought for this balance after being taxed without representation, only so King George III could pay off his own war debt. In response, the colonists united to gain independence. A government should give enough power to the citizens so that the citizens can elect capable, competent people to make the final decisions. Progress can only occur when someone fit for power is in control, and a nation can only achieve this when officials are chosen by intelligence and competence, not wealth. An efficient government gives citizens the power to influence who has power. In 1215, Magna Carta gave the English people rights to elect officials who sat in the House of Commons. Hundreds of years later, the American colonies started establishing similar systems of government, and the Virginia Company created this kind of government in 1619. Soon, other colonies followed. William Penn's frame of government shared many ideas with the Virginia Company's type of government, but it also brought new ideas to America. William Penn had many good ideas on how much power a government should have. As stated in Frame of Government, that the government of this province shall consist of the governor and freemen of the said province in form of a provincial council and general assembly. William Penn, 1682. The provincial council and general assembly acted as committees, therefore putting power into many people, not just one. The committee wasn't made of just the wealthy, though. The committee was chosen by the votes of the colony's citizens. Penn writes that the freemen of the said province shall choose out themselves 72 persons of most note for their wisdom, virtue, and ability. William Penn, 1682. This type of government ensured that only people fit for power came into power. However, no system of government at the time accommodated everyone, and this one had plenty of bias. Neither women nor slaves were allowed to vote, as stated in the word freemen. Throughout colonial America, governments like these greatly contributed to the entire concept of the United States of America. Not all colonies had all the power they wanted. Throughout America in the 1700s, Britain and its colonies struggled for power and rights. The main cause of these struggles was the taxation on goods without representation. This involved the Navigation Act, Stamp Act, Townsend Acts, and the Tea Act. In the Navigation Act, Britain required all goods from the colonies to be shipped to Britain before going to other European countries. It didn't end there. In the Stamp Act, they taxed all paper goods. In the Townsend duties, they taxed many household items. And in the Tea Act, they taxed all tea coming into the colonies in order to lower the prices. The colonists didn't want to pay these taxes, especially, especially the Sons of Liberty. In response, they formed the Boston Tea Party. In December of 1773, the Boston Tea Party dumped 342 chests of tea into a harbor, only stirring up more trouble. This did not change Britain's mind on taxation. It just made everything worse. With that, the Coercive Acts began. 
known as the Intolerable Acts by the colonists. The harbors closed. Britain pardoned crimes committed by royal officials, and British soldiers stayed in barracks in the colonies. These difficult times could have been peaceful if King George III gave the colonists power. Despite the colony's reasons, King George III ignored the petition from the colonists to remove unfair taxes. If King George III had listened to the colonists, the death of many soldiers in war could have been prevented. If he had given the colonists the power they had as individual leaders and citizens, many of the colonists' issues, as well as his own issues, could have been resolved or prevented. All of these acts provide reason for an independent government and explain why a government should let people speak up without punishment. With the acts behind them, the colonies wanted independence to avoid future issues. In order to understand the development of the United States government, one must look to the beginning of it all, the Declaration of Independence. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the rights of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Declaration of Independence. This statement claims that people of a nation should be able to have a large say in their government and that they could abolish it. Thomas Jefferson likely wrote that in order to justify and support the colonies seek for independence from the British, but it also allowed future U.S. citizens to stand up for, to people who aren't fit for the power they have. Today, the U.S. government has a functional balance of power because of powerful ideas like these, brought about by the Founding Fathers. The law played a very important role in the American Revolution, and to connect the law then to the law now, it helps to interview a specialist. Today, I will be interviewing an attorney, Zach Hutton. Hello. Hello. I will be asking you a few questions. The first one is, what current laws regulate how much power the citizens have, and what do they share with earlier laws in the colonies? Okay, good question. Um, I would say that the power of citizens is protected first and foremost by the Constitution. That That's um, what makes our government unique, and it was really in response to a lot of the things that you described, where they didn't want a monarch. Um and so everything about the Constitution is structured to avoid monarchy. You have a representative democracy, the, the people elect um, those who are in the government. You have three co-equal branches of government, basically separation of powers. And each counterbalances the power of the other one to prevent it from being consolidated in one person or one small group like you have in a, in, in a monarchy. So, you know, you have the legislature and they enact the laws, but even there you have two separate houses in the legislature. You have, or, or branches, you have the Senate and then the House. Um, you have the executive branch that enforces the laws. And then you have the judiciary who gets to decide what the law means. And another important power of the judiciary is um, deciding whether a law or an act of Congress or steps taken by the president are constitutional and consistent with this structure that's been put in place. So everything about it um, 
really tracks what they meant to do in the revolution, which was to avoid having a monarchy and to have a government that had checks and balances where the citizenry had held the power rather than a particular person. That's cool. So yeah, it definitely relates to a lot of things that people were coming up with much earlier in the colonies. It does. And my second question is, what are some major laws in force today that have bias? That have bias. So that's an interesting question because, you know, as I think through it, one other unique aspect of the Constitution is that it has features that protect against bias, that prevent Mm -hmm. bias. And they've evolved over time, to be sure. But, for example, you have the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment. And that was put in place after the Civil War to protect newly freed slaves. It basically said that they were entitled to equal protection under the law. And then gradually, courts interpreted that phrase, which is on its face neutral, it doesn't refer to race, to protect other groups, to protect people from being treated unfairly or singled out based on their gender, or even their sexual orientation, or other kind of immutable characteristics, things about people that they can't change. Um, You have in the First Amendment, the free exercise clause, which prevents the government from singling out people based upon their religion. You have the free speech clause in the First Amendment, which gives people the right to protest laws that they think are unfair. And so there are a lot of features, some of which weren't in the original Constitution, that were added through, through amendments. Um, that protect against bias, but to be sure, it's been imperfect. Um, it wasn't until the 20th century that women had the right to vote. It wasn't until very recently that gays and lesbians had the right to marry. And so there's been kind of a gradual evolution um, towards having less bias and more protections against it, but it hasn't happened overnight, and it's not to be it's it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. So I guess basically, uh, kind of like how I said earlier, no system of government is perfect and lots of them have bias, but basically what you're saying is specifically the United States of America has made an effort. Right. And that one important thing to understand about our laws is the constitution trumps laws. In other words, it, it's the highest authority. If you have a law that's inconsistent with the constitution, then the judiciary looks at that and can strike down that law and say that law can't be enforced even though it was passed by Congress, or this rule can't be enforced even though it was advocated for by the executive branch. So it's that feature of our government that I think helps us work towards being less biased and and more fair and preventing power from being consolidated in one person. Mm -hmm. And um, for a group of people. Relating to that, uh, laws evolving, How hard is it to change laws already established? So um, if you have an act of Congress, you, in order to rescind it or amend it, you need a majority of both houses um, with the president signing it. President has a right to veto a bill. If the president doesn't agree with it and vetoes it, then you need a supermajority. You need two thirds of Congress. So that's the rule for a law. But one other unique aspect of the constitution is the framers didn't want it to be easy to change the constitution oh because they didn't want this to be something that would shift with you know different political views or how people who was in power at the time 
And because the Constitution trumps or supersedes other laws, you have this protection that's more lasting. So in order to amend the Constitution, it's pretty hard. You need two thirds of both houses, um, both the Senate and the House of Representatives. And then you need three fourths of the state legislatures. You know, each state has its own mini legislature, mm-hmm. too, that, that enacts and that enacts state laws. You need three quarters of the states to approve it. And so that's why, um, you know, in 200 years, there have been relatively few amendments to the Constitution. It's hard to change it. And that was intentional. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, because at the time they were like, these laws are what should be. And we don't want political views to change this over time and make the United States of America something different than what we planned on it being. Right. Think, think, of, a, think of the Constitution as a law with steroids that is designed to make sure that the laws that are passed and enforced are passed and enforced in a way that's that's fair and consistent with what was intended by the framers. Nice. Well, um, thank you for your input, and it was uh, a pleasure to interview you. Thank you for having me. No government is perfect, nor is any person or leader. The United States of America isn't perfect, but it is a powerful, functional system of government that all started with the American Revolution. Our leaders take input from citizens, and the citizens choose the leaders, much like systems of government used in colonial America, such as William Penn's. When the British overtaxed the colonies, the colonist form of government based on each other's, a united government, with an equal balance of power. Power should be balanced and distributed in such a way that everyone determines the fate of their country. Thank you.